Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, good morning. Excited to be with you this morning. Uh, my wife is going to stand here next to me and talk here in a little bit. Uh, and so excited to have her with me. Uh, as we discussed going into this series with Tommy, he asked if me and my wife would share at a certain point. Uh, we did not realize that it would be in the middle of the first week of school. Um, and so I have 97 children, and it's a, it's a busy week. And so uh, it's pretty crazy. And so especially for moms out there, and my kids, are we're living in Amarillo um, in the Olson neighborhood over there, uh, renting a house over there. And I know for Bushland, how about that traffic this week? Uh, do we need to have fasting and intercession afterwards for it to, for Monday, right? It'll all even out, right? And so everything will even out. I know it's been a chaotic week for everybody. I know there's been lots of things happening in people's lives. And so uh, I know it's hard to, to, to just pause. But man, just from the bottom of our hearts, if you don't know who we are, this is, I'm Cade. This is my wife, Jenna. We're the new associate pastors here. Um, we're like, we're not brand new, but we're like a fresh pe- pair of Nikes that's walking around at this point. And so we're not brand new, but um, we just want to tell you, we are so thankful to be here, but also so thankful that you chose to be with us at this church today. Um, it takes something inside of you to get up, get your kids ready in the middle of the first week back to school and come to God's house. And so we're appreciative that people come here together here. We hope that God has met you where you're at today through worship. And so thankful to have Paxton and Carrie back, amen, church. And so thankful to have them. Uh, got a great worship team. And so just very thankful for that opportunity today. And so uh, as Tommy asked us to share in this, um, uh, Tommy, if you haven't noticed, has been pretty fired up through this series. And if you don't know the title of the series at this point, you're deaf. Uh, and because we have been promoting it, um, and making sure that you know that you can sound the trumpet. Amen, church? And make sure that you know that help is on the way. Help is there if you need it. Um, And we just wanted to come alongside uh, this, um, and I'll talk about Nehemiah here in a little bit, but as Tommy asked me to share, kind of one of the things that just fell upon me as we were kind of sitting with it, and and as me and Jenna discussed of what we would share, one of the things that, the, the word that really set in on me was rest, And to be kind of specific a little bit, um, I think we're living in such a time, if you want a sermon title this morning, uh, that there's this mirage of rest that exists in our culture. Um, There is this big thing that overhangs um, to where people are trying to define what rest really means for us. Um, And if you know what a mirage is, it's something a lot of times it's with water and you get to it and there's nothing there and there's not a drink that'll satisfy. And so I think this is happening within our culture And if you had to describe our culture within one word, if you had to summarize it, what's happening in our culture, what's happening in our communities, what's happening around the world, what's happening somewhat in Christian people, uh, I would use the word restless. Does that sink in with your soul? There is a restlessness, an anxiousness 
that I have not ever seen since I've been alive and I'm 39 years old. I am not 40, praise Jesus, amen. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy 39 to the last minute. Shh. Uh, and so we're, we're, we know that there is such a restlessness in the culture. And so with that happening, I think a lot of times we filter into that without knowing it, okay? And so I'm guilty of this myself, and I talked about this a little bit, but I felt like it was something God wanted to bring up here. How many of you, when you get in conversations right now, everything is panic mode? Conspiracy theories and political agenda stuff, right? All around it, right? Yeah, there we go. When you're with your kids, when you're around the table, it's like you can't escape the political ideology that's happening all around us. And it even, it's infiltrated our dinner tables, it's infiltrated everywhere, and here's what we miss a lot of times in that, these little ears that are listening, that are attentive to what you're saying. And as we do that, I figure, I'm starting to figure out within myself, boy, I got conspiracy theories that'll change the world, right? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Here's, here's one that I've heard. If they, if they awaken the silent majority, the rednecks of America, they're in trouble. <laughs> they're in trouble, right? That's one of the things. We've got all these different things of the way that we think, we think things are gonna play out in all of the chaos that's happening in the world. And you know where I wanna be? I wanna be right centered on Christ. I wanna be centered in on what he wants me to do in the middle of this, in the middle of all of this. But you know where I wanna be more than that? I wanna make sure that my home is centered on that. And man, we've gotta, we gotta be careful with our conversations and the things that we're carrying on and the things that we're talking through and talking about because it's really easy to have those conversations because deep down inside, what makes our, our lip quiver the most is what if, the comfort of where we're at and the blessing of what America has been given through Jesus, amen? Through Jesus. What if that disappears? What if it changes drastically? Did you, I wanna let you in on a secret. The blessing of the Lord is not in the wealth of America. The blessing of the Lord is centering ourselves on whatever Christ wants to do, we wanna go with him. Wherever it is, that's where the blessing of the Lord is. Because if, if we're trying to manage it based upon comfort level and blessing and how much our world is affected, we're gonna be highly disappointed. Amen, church? We're gonna be highly disappointed. And I wanna make sure that you realize that there is this mirage out there that if we can get the right person in the right place and we can get the right conspiracies to come forward and everything, if somebody will just listen, then if we, we, we can really unify this whole thing. Do you not realize that we live in a fallen world? We live in a fallen world. That does not mean we abandon the idea that government can be healthy and that we can, there can be a real avenue of help there. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to have a desire to have a healthy government, but things, the walls are down in America. They're down. It's just, it's just the bottom line. We're aborting babies. We're identifying people by non-binary, transgender. I mean, it, it's down, people. The secular world has knocked the walls down. And so we have a decision to make in our lives and who we are. 
and what we're gonna rest in. Because the wall, I'm just letting you in on the info. The walls are down in America. It's not the same America that it used to be. It's not. And that's not to be defeating. That's not meant to be saddening. It is at the same time. I know those things. But it's meant to be a reality check to say, God never intended America to be the rescuer. He put all his hope and everything that he was, he put it on Jesus on the cross. Amen? He put it all right there. And when he put it all right there, Jesus came to 12 disciples and he trained them and he raised them up. And the whole world has been shifting out of that, not out of every country that rises to be great. The world is is pinpointing on God's hand, amen? And you know where God wants to use the most? The bride, the church. That's where he's pinpointed on, okay? That's where he's at. And so I want you to be encouraged that the mirage of rest that the world is offering can't satisfy it. It can't satisfy And you're, you're going for a drink somewhere that you're not going to get a drink. It's not going to bring anything into your camp that you want. So make sure as you think about that word rest, as you move forward in your walk with God, what, where are you finding your rest? Where is your assurity? Where, when you lay your head on the pillow at night, are you restful? And that can, that, can mean, it, that can mean a multiple different things in that moment. You can be thinking about the world. You can be thinking about your own personal life. You can think about lots of things. I think a lot about things when I lay my head on the pillow at night. I think about a lot of things. You know why? Because it's still. And a lot of things come to the surface. And what's crazy in this is I want to help us define what, what rest is. And hopefully we can do that in the amount of the time that we have. If you've got your scripture with you, you can go to Hebrews chapter four. And as you're turning there, we'll look at Nehemiah later, but as you read this and as we go through this, I'm not gonna have time to break all of this apart, but one of the reasons that Nehemiah, the people are in the place that they're in is because they forsook the Sabbath. And the walls of Jerusalem are down. It's been destroyed. And Ezra and a, and a group of the exiles from Babylon, the remnant of Israel, is coming back. And they restore the temple. And they're coming to Nehemiah to get some help. But the reason they're in the place that they're in is because they did not listen to God. They did not rest in his commands, church. Man, does that not sound familiar? When we don't rest in God's command, it's like we're living in a world right now that promotes adding to your life to achieve rest. Add to it. And that's how we achieve rest. Yet when I read the gospel, Christ is the total opposite of taking things away because remember what it says in scripture, to save a life, you need to lose yours, right? And so there's this subtraction that comes from the kingdom of God that doesn't make sense to our flesh sometimes. We got this major fear we're getting behind. Whether it be with the Joneses, whether it be with sports, all the, there's this high demand over our society to stay up. Stay up, don't take away. And I think God is shouting from the rooftops, church. Let me have some things in your life. Let me reposition some things in your life. Because the busyness and the chaos and everything that you're doing, it's gonna come crumbling down and it's not gonna satisfy. 
And God wants to draw his bride, his church, his people to his heart. But in order to draw near to God, there's gonna be some subtraction that takes place because we've gotta make room for what he wants to do in our lives. And it's important for us to see that. And Nehemiah and them are in the place that they're in. There's been this 500-year gap where God didn't even talk about the Sabbath anymore because people are not listening to it. They're not obeying the commands of God in this. And you're gonna read in Hebrews chapter four right here, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Is this in the Old Testament? Where's this at? In the New Testament. Let me ask you, have you abandoned the idea that you can have rest in God? Have you just abandoned it? Because the more I get into this world, I feel like the more they're taking away things that used to be what? You don't touch them. Wednesdays and Sundays or whatever it is. And I'm not trying to be religious this morning. You're like, this guy's gonna preach a whole sermon on I need to be still on Sundays. You know what I'm gonna preach? I'm gonna preach what the word says. And what you do with it is up to you. I'm not gonna preach a whole sermon on that. You have to make a decision for what you do. But I can promise you this. If you just busy your life up with staying up with the Joneses in the world, I promise you, you're gonna look back and you're gonna think, I sure wish I would have rested. Sure wished I would have rested. Hebrews 4, verse 1. We're gonna read all of this right here, so stay with me. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Verse 2. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. God's talking about the Israelites through the New Testament here. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken out about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. If God rests, what should we do? I I don't hear it loud enough. You should rest, church. You gotta rest in in all that's happening around you. And again, in this passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had, got, or had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. This he had when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Here's where I wanna kind of camp on. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, and so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience, the example of what happened all the time when they would not rest in God's commands. Amen, church? There's a whole portion of the Bible that has been designated to show you what disobedience does when you don't obey the commands of God, when you deny those things, man, it's just unsatisfactory, right? Just doesn't satisfy. In verse 12, or here's our answer, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two double-edged sword, 
It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him uh, to whom we must give account. This is the written word of God. God is establishing in his people once again that rest needs to take place in our lives. But yet we live in a culture right now that restlessness is very present in that. And there's a, there's a guy, used to be an English journalist, and even taught communism and was raised in communism at one point, and then became an anti-communist, and then lived through World War II, and then converted to Christianity, and this guy's name is Malcolm uh, Molderidge, is how you say his name, and he said this, the only ultimate tragedy is that a man should have his home on earth that we would put all of our investment and everything that we do and what we can accomplish with these two things. And we would make our home here and we would say to the world, look, we stayed up with the Joneses. We took all of this. We did this. Does Facebook not just make you sick sometimes? You know what, I, you know what happens when I look at Facebook? I feel like I'm behind. Y'all, some of the people's vacations, I'm like, I'm gonna have to save for like 30 years to go do that. Like, I just, I think it's awesome if you got the blessing to do that. I'm not hating, but a lot of times when you get and you watch other people's lives, you start coveting and you start thinking, man, I'm not doing nothing for my children. I'm the worst father ever. You start having these thoughts. It's because we're not defined by that church. It's not what we're supposed to be viewing our aspects of who God is and in this Christian life. And don't make your home what you can accomplish with these two things. Make your home in Jesus and what you can do through him, not what you can just accomplish with your two hands and the things that you wanna try to do for your kids and in this life. There's nothing wrong with pursuing sports and pursuing a schedule and, and, and allowing your kids to participate in things. But what we do a lot of times in that is we start abandoning what God wants to do through us when we do that. And we don't, we're not witnessing to people, we're not loving on people, all we're doing is traveling and doing things all the time, yet the gospel's not centered in any of those things. And therefore, idolatry happens, apathy happens, there's a lot of things that start to corner into this idea, we think that we're gonna find rest if we give all of these things to our kids and if we accomplish all of these things through our own hands. It's just not gonna happen that way. And so it's important for us to see God's trying to reestablish and he wants us to understand that there is something as simple as this, just to rest, to take some time to rest. Now, are there are certain things that I believe that Hebrews chapter four is talking about here that I think are crucial. There is an aspect of the Christian life that, that we embrace that there's things that we can't add to that we just, we just get to rest in as a Christian. One of those things is the ascension and when Jesus went to heaven, amen, when he ascended, right? That's, that's, that's an important aspect. We can't add anything to that. We just get the rest in that. How about the atonement of what Jesus did through the cross and through the resurrection and through his blood? Amen, church? We get to rest in that free as believers. It's good. We get to rest in that. There's nothing we can add to that or do in that. No activity. I mean, that's just something he did for us. How about the resurrection? Aren't you proud that Jesus got up out of the grave? Aren't you excited that he got up out of the grave? And it's something that we just get to rest in as believers. And aren't you glad that he's, there's a second coming? 
that he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. Aren't you excited about them? Those are rest of the gospel. Get you excited. Those are things that we just get to rest in as believers. Those are eternal things that we just get to rest in and get to, to walk in. But I think also, if you read in this and you look at this, God is calling us to, verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest. So there's a diligency. There's a diligency, a part of this. We've got to, to pursue that also. There's an activity involved for us and not just the eternal things of rest, but also there's activity for us in that rest to pursue, amen? God wants us to pursue things. It's kind of like, let me give you an example of this. It's kind of like if we went to a theme park and I said in the first service, Disneyland. Yeah, my wife gets excited. If I'm going somewhere, I want to go somewhere wild and crazy and fun. Big roller coasters, not teacups, all right? I'm not, I'm not down with that. And so, but we'll go with Disneyland because she's more important than I am. So say we, we plan this trip to go to Disneyland. And say we, we're driving over there with my kids and everything, and we get to the destination, the sign that says Disneyland right here, this way. And it's right there, and we can see it. It's right down the road. There's the big Disney sign. You go right down there. And say we park right in front of that sign. We get the camp out. We get the hot dogs. We get a tent. And we just camp out right around that sign. We got our tickets to get in. But we just decide, I just decide as the leader of the home, I'm just gonna, we're just going to stay out here. We're just going to look at it and enjoy it. The, the fun's going to be right here. Some of you are like, you're the worst parent ever if you do that, Right? Right? I believe that there's a twofold process in God's rest. There's what we get to eternally rest in, the things that he has accomplished for us, our justification, amen? Like the things that he has done for us so that we could walk in this life, amen? But there's also a process in that rest that we are supposed to be about God's kingdom business, amen? The sanctification where he is purifying us to walk into his image, to bless other people, to walk in his power, amen? To be the light of the earth, right? To be the salt of the earth. It's a twofold process. There's things that we just get to, to rest in and are justified from, but there's also this great journey as a Christian called your sanctification. And we get to walk in that. And what happens is your justification, you've reached the destiny, you got your tickets, and then we just camp out on the sign out here and we never go into what God really wanted for us and for other people through us. And we're excited about it, but eventually hot dogs don't taste good after one or two times. I can eat, I can eat them once. But eventually you start outside that camp. Who's gonna get frustrated? Your kids are gonna get frustrated. Your wife's gonna get frustrated. You're gonna get frustrated because you're sitting there holding the keys to get in. You can go get in, and there's a whole nother experience down here. But I want, what I want to encourage you in, church, is don't make the destination right there. Don't just rest in that. Make sure that you're resting in the activity of your sanctification, and make sure that the gospel's making such a difference in you that it's affecting other people now, and that you're, you're using it out in work. You're using it out in your community. You're using it at the grocery store. It's alive and active in you. Amen, church? And it's being used. Don't just camp in this destination and say, hey, I'm, I'm just glad I'm going to heaven. And what we do is we're real excited about what we've redeemed for, 
been redeemed for from our past. We're really excited. Christians are really awesome. Churches are really awesome. Hey, we're excited. We're excited we've been redeemed from the things of our past. We're excited that there's a future coming. He's coming back for us in the future. But we really struggle to know what God's doing right now sometimes. And that's walking out what God has given you. You know, he's giving you the tools for a life with him. He's giving you tools to walk out. He's giving you, there's, there's the gift of the spirit are all around the room. There's the gift of the teaching. There's gift of teaching. There's gift of evangelism. There's gift of prophecy. We've all been gifted in different ways for God to use us. But if we just make our home and our rest and saying, I'm going to heaven, hope some of you come with me. And we don't ever really bless other people. Is that difficult? It's difficult. And what happens with Nehemiah and what takes place in him, if you got your scripture, I'm just gonna read a couple of verses and turn it over to Jenna. What happens in this, in Nehemiah, the first chapter, you see Nehemiah, I'm just gonna skip down to verse three. Chapter one, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When Nehemiah heard these things, he sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Is that not crazy to see Nehemiah right here in this passage of scripture? To see him lay down He's a cupbearer for the, the king of Persia. And here comes these exiles. Here comes Ezra and a bunch of this remnant from Israel that come and ask him for help. Nehemiah's pretty high up. Who wants to go build a bunch of a, a stone wall with a bunch of rejects? And yet Nehemiah is stirred in that. Stirred to the point that he just lays in the rubble. He just lays down, prays and fasts, and pursues God's heart in that. And out of that, Jenna's gonna share just kind of what that means to us just as a family and something God has spoken to her. Um, if you continue reading throughout Nehemiah, in chapter four, it talks about the opposition of the rebuilding. And um, you skip down to verse six. Well, first they're rebuilding, and people get cranky about it, and they're yeah, yeah, and about it. And so Nehemiah goes to the Lord in prayer. And then in verse 6, it says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. And this is a verse that stuck out to me this time when I was reading it. It hasn't in the past, or if it did, I didn't remember it. Um, because I think, I was trying to think about when I've worked towards something with all my heart before. Um, and I think some of you can you know, go with me in that if you've had promotions at jobs or organizations that you're trying to lead or, you know, as a full-time mom for the past 13 years, maybe a epic birthday party that you were trying to throw or something at the school, something that you put your whole heart into, that you've gotten to see the fruit of that at the end of it. Like you've poured your heart in, you've worked hard, you've thought about it, you've had conversations about it, you've prayed about it, you've rethought about it. Like it's just been the forefront of your heart and your mind. You've worked hard at it. And eventually you get to see wow, this thing like came together and it worked and we did it and oh my gosh, and now we can rest. And what struck me about the verse was they rebuilt the wall till it reached only half of its height. 
So these people had already worked with all that they've got. They've gone and they've like poured in. They have worked hard. They've sweated. They've been at home talking about it. They've sat around their dinner tables talking about it. They've prayed about it. They've thought about it when they've gone to bed. And it's still only at half of the height. And for sometimes, like for me, you know, I'm typically usually pretty optimistic, but sometimes I get a little pessimistic. And if I were them here and I'm worn out and I've already put my whole heart into something, I might be looking at it like my wall is only halfway built instead of we've got half the wall up. And so these people, I'm just imagining them looking at their city wall and going, we only have half. We're only like halfway done. It's only half its height. That's not doing anything yet. Um, when you skip down and you look at verse 10, it says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that they can't rebuild the wall. And so I equated this to just our life with our kids. For the first, you know, when we got married, we had kids quicker than we thought we would and then it just felt like we just kept having them. And so we had four in five years. And so it was- That was her fault. (laughs) It was not my fault. It was chaotic and crazy and wonderful and exhausting and thrilling and all of the things, but like there was so much hands-on and there was so much like, okay, I need to feed you, I need to get you changed. There was a lot of poop. There was a lot of tying shoes. There was a lot of, you know, I hope my hair is brushed today and I hope the kids have pants on in the back seat and I'm just hoping that we're at least sort of looking like we somewhat have it together. I don't think we ever looked that way, but it's okay. It was really fun. Um, It was crazy, but at the end of every day when you went to bed and you were exhausted, kids had survived, people had eaten, um, no one was deathly ill or anything like that. Like we had survived and we had made it another day. There was tangible evidence of things that we had done. And I think there were things that we started building in a wall around our kids at that time that we knew the pieces to put in. So we knew the big building blocks of what you need to build a wall. Obviously, I haven't ever built a wall. I'm sure if there's a carpenter or a wall builder out there, you're looking at me going, you don't know what you're talking about, but I can say just in the spiritual realm of things, I would think that if you're going to go build a wall, you would first start with big blocks first, and then you would kind of fill in with little things along the way. And so we knew the big things to do for our kids. We knew that they needed to be prayed for. They needed to be prayed over. They needed good discipline. They needed love. They needed words spoken into them. We knew they needed to be in church on Sundays and on Wednesdays. They needed other believers pouring into them. We knew a lot of the big pieces to put and starting to surround our kids for their protection and for their good. But now we're in a different season of life, and we're in a season of life where it feels like, and a lot of you can attest to this with me, that now that they're older, they're 13, 10, 10, and 8, you know, I'm not having, (laughs) it was a glorious summer, the first summer everybody could swim on their own and ride their own bikes and wipe their own butts and tie their own shoes. It was fantastic. You know, they get up in the morning now, they can fix their own sandwiches or whatever for lunch. They can read, they can write. They're pretty, they're not self-sufficient yet, but they've come a long way from where we were not too long ago. And so, There are things sometimes now that I'm like, okay, I'm looking at the wall around them and I'm like, we've got it to about half its height. But the things that we're dealing with now are internal things with them and things that are more heart issues, things that you wanna see come alive in them that I don't always know how to build that part for them. And I think like just with these people here, 
there's so much rubble, sometimes we don't know how to rebuild the wall. There's the little pieces left where it's like, how do we get to their heart? How do we speak into them? How do we cast vision for that for them? And so just a quick testimony on my part, a few Years ago, we were just kind of in a place of uh, some really restless, unsettling things and um, wanted to see God do a lot of things in the place that we were at. And so in our community, there were lots of things we had prayed for. There were lots of things that we had wanted, you know, that we had given our whole heart to and I feel like we had worked towards. And when we got, when the Lord released us from that place, he released Cade first, and I was just going to follow him and go wherever, but he said, I want you to hear God if we're supposed to be gone. So I was at a women's thing, and through some different stuff, the Lord just spoke to me and uh, said, it's time for new dreams, Jenna. Like all those dreams you've had for the place that you've been at, it's time for new dreams. And so it was a releasing thing for me of going, okay, God's not going to use us here to do the things that I know he's still going to do there. He's just not going to use us for it. And so we moved here and, um, you know, after accepted the job here. And so I started praying about, well, what are these new dreams, God? Like, what are these dreams that you have for the church of Bushland, for the community of Bushland? And I wasn't getting anything, but I don't always get things. (laughs) Like, sometimes I pray and then I'm like, I don't know. But, um... Anyway, it was just like, you know, do you have dreams for this place that you're going to awaken in us? And um, went to youth camp because of Cade. Cade signed me up for youth camp. I didn't know I was going this year, but I'm so grateful, you know, and I am good at flying by the seat of my pants, but I was like, okay, we're going to youth this year, and it's going to be great, and went, and I wouldn't have traded any of it, got to know some of the students, and see a lot of their hearts, and it was um, so sweet for me. But one of the things that happened at camp in the middle of worship, you know, if any of you are like me, sometimes I get going in worship, and then sometimes the mind just wonders. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I know we're supposed to be focused on Jesus, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Uh, Maybe I'm the only one in here. But typically, you know, that's what it's supposed to be. But I'm in the middle of worship, and I just keep getting all these pictures of my kids in my head, and they were sweet pictures, though, and things that I was like, oh, I'd love to see that for them, or I want them to walk that out, or there were just things in my mind where I thought maybe I wasn't focusing on Jesus, and little did I know he was giving me those pictures, because he just whispered in my ear, real sweet, you know how he does when he speaks sometimes and it catches you off guard, but it's so good, and he said, the new dreams I have for you are for your children, and uh, It is his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. And all of a sudden, I realized in the past few years, I just had stopped having dreams for my kids and stopped having fresh vision for them, stopped having things that I felt like I need to speak into them, to call out in them as their mom. Mm. And, you know, God is just so sweet, already giving me vision there, um, in the middle of worship, but things that I believe for them and that I see in them. And so, um, of course, went home and repented to them in front of them and told them, you know, I'm so sorry and confessed all that, wrote a letter to them about the kind of mom that I want to be now. Of course, I've already made mistakes, but that's okay. There's grace. Um, I think sometimes we get really focused on the bigger pictures, 
And we forget that as parents, as spouses, as business owners, as whoever, that God wants to give fresh vision to us that only he can do. There's a scripture in Psalms that says, unless the Lord builds the city, it's builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, it's watchmen stand guard in vain. So I can build a wall halfway up. Like, even me, scrawny me, could get some big blocks and build them and know the right things to establish maybe a wall. But the Lord is the one who's going to have to build the rest of the wall to have protection over my children and my family and to help them grow and who they need to be. And so I love that at the end of, you know, Nehemiah sets the people up at different stations along the wall. And then he says, he comes and he's like boosting their morale. And he says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. He doesn't say go and fight necessarily for your community. Go and fight for the temple. Go and fight for all these things. He starts with the home, mm-hmm. like go and fight for your home. And so if we will seek the Lord and ask him to give us fresh wisdom, to give us fresh fire for the seasons of life that we're in and start with the little rubble pieces and put them into place in the way that God knows, then he will rebuild it for us. He will do the work, starting in the homes that will then affect the community and the church and the places that we put our feet. And so I just want to give you that picture. I I feel like in our church that we have here, you guys, I love this church already. There are so many big building blocks that we have set up in families here. But if there are holes inside your wall, God wants to move in those things. And I'm standing here as a new person or like a new, this is still new to me too. This is something that God freshly did just at camp this summer that I'm still figuring out. I'm not anywhere where I need to be but I am on the journey with him now, back on it. And so let him rebuild those rebel pieces um, if you've got any in your families. Mm. Mm. I know she's better than I am. <laughs> that was all planned by me, though. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just think there's so much truth in what she's saying. And as the worship team comes back today, I want to just kind of challenge you with something and for us to process something together as you kind of go out today. One of the cool things that I don't know that I've heard Tommy share or anything else like this, Nehemiah prays and he fasts when they're in the process of trying to figure out how to rebuild this thing. And one of the things he does that I think is incredible, such an example of, of Christ in the Old Testament, Nehemiah is such an example of who, who Christ is to us is he goes basically to all this remnant of Israel and he goes to the nobles and the officials and everybody and all the land uh, allotments and the taxes and everything. Uh, He goes to all of them, him included. He doesn't take the land that he's supposed to get, all those things, and everybody gets debt free. And the debt is paid and everybody gives the land back and does all of this. And there's this unity that happens. Money that people owe, taxes that people owe, they've had to pay through land or whatever, and all of it just obliterates underneath the plan of God. And it's debt-free. And here's this people that unify with one purpose of doing something that's absolutely impossible in the world's eye. They build it in 52 days. Will you surrender your rights for the gospel? Will you surrender the things that you think 
man, if I, I, I'm, I need to hold on to this though. I don't know if God could use this area of my life. Men, especially. You don't, you don't wanna be 85 years old and still walk into the pornography shop and grab and Playboy magazines. You don't wanna still be on your computer and display. You don't wanna be walking to that same sin and never really entering into the sanctifying work of Jesus Christ. Some of you may know Christians struggle with pornography. Some of you may know who Jesus is and that rest and that salvation has been established for you. Nothing can take away that salvation. Amen, church? But you know what it can steal? It can steal the rest and the sanctifying power of what God wants to do through you, for your wife, for your kids, for other people. It can stop the gospel from advancing through you in such a way that you make a difference in other people. There's nothing worse than to die as a Christian and live in regret and think, I wish I would have done more than what I did. I just didn't do it in time. God's grace is big enough for everything. Amen, church? It's big enough for everything. But I want you to know that there are certain portions of this wall. And, I, and I, I think Jenna gives such a good picture of that because it's such a symbolic picture of, for us as a church. We can have a great temple, but if we don't get people that are invested in the outside, protecting things from the secular, families that are positioning themselves to say, God, we built it as far as we can build it. Will you build the rest of it? Will you be with us? We'll grab the weapons you've given us. We'll do everything that you can, but I can't, I can't make my kid read the word, God. I can't make my 13-year-old try to pick up his word and understand the value of that. There's certain things we have to pray through and we have to trust Jesus with, amen? And what's scary about some of this is it's hard to surrender like this because entering his rest is crucial. It's something that has to happen in our life because we're so we're so much more drawn to human wisdom than we are God's wisdom. We just think we can figure it out or we can get through it. And as we end today and as the worship song begins here in just a little bit, I wanna give you these three things. Are you resting in his presence? Are you resting in his promises, church? And are you resting in his purpose? Because those are three areas of your life. Are you resting in his presence every morning? Are you resting in his promises? Are you actively pursuing that double-edged sword that the word talked about in Hebrews 4? Are you seeing God's love penetrate other people's lives because there's nothing more satisfying for rest of your soul than doing the gospel's work through your intimacy with Jesus? Amen, church? There's nothing more satisfied. And are you resting in his purpose? There's nothing sweeter than to see your children walk in the truth because you've rested in his presence, you've rested in his promise, and then you get to watch your kids walk in the truth and walk in purpose. This is the point of the gospel. This is why we're here. This is why we're gathered today. It's for God to use us, but will you rest in what he has for you and not in the mirage of rest of what the world is offering? There is a past, present, and future rest in Christ Jesus alone, church. Let me pray with you, and we're gonna, there's gonna be opportunity for ministry time. There's people set up at the back. If you feel more comfortable going towards the back, there'll be couples back there. There'll be couples up here on the side. If you need something today, the invitation is Jesus. If it's been a while since you've, you feel restless, you feel broke, you feel in debt, just to, life, you've just strained yourself out. 
There's a refreshing touch in him and him alone if you need it. If you got the hand next to you, grab it. And we're gonna pray and ask God to, to sanctify this time and for him to do what he wants to do. Lord Jesus, we just come and we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Ooh, there's nothing like the Holy Spirit. It's the greatest drink I've ever, I've ever gotten to partake in. And so I pray for those that are dry and weary, parents that have just bowed out maybe to idolatry and are just wondering how to get out of it. We've created this monster of a demand of a schedule and busyness and how do we get out of it? And God, I pray that you would allow them to see that if they'll just surrender, you'll sort through the hard things. All you're looking for is for them to just surrender this morning. And God, I pray that those people that are invested and they're doing things and they're, and they're in a good place, I pray that they would not abandon the gospel as they move forward. That they would use all of this busyness of life, whether it be at a football game, whether it be at a, a traveling baseball game, I pray as they sit with people and watch games, I pray that the gospel would be there. I pray that they would use those times to, to bring the gospel to people in those opportunities. Jesus, we pray that you'd bring forward whoever needs to, to be ministered to this morning. We thank you that we have an opportunity to rest in you. We love you, Jesus, and thank you for everything that you continue to do in our lives. And it's your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.